What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having a fantastic day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. As always, I'm grateful for you. I'm pumped that you're here. And the fact that you spend your time listening to me rant and rave is unbelievably amazing to me. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for it. Secondarily, this podcast is sponsored by a brand new product that I have just released to the market. It's called Elite Collagen. If you're not taking a collagen product, then you just don't care about your healthy skin, your healthy hair, your healthy nails, your joints, your cardiovascular health, just your overall body wellness. Collagen is an amazing product that is going to help with everything. And listen, I mean, you're exposed to a lot of elements. Why not internally fortify your system with a beautiful collagen? But here's the situation. Some of you guys would know, hey, bud, I'm already taking a college. Appreciate you. Got gotcha. you. I got bad news. The problem is this. Most collagen powders are just that. They're powdered collagens, and they're made from bovine, which is cows, or porcine, which is pig's skin. Have you ever seen a cow's skin or a pig's skin? Some of them are plant-derived. We won't even get into those. The collagen, it's not even really a collagen product. It's a, a makeup of stuff that tries to become collagen. But if you're taking a collagen powder, one of those big hefty collagen, gross, chalky, whatever it is, just know that it's coming from skin of cows and pigs. And of course, they wash them. But if you've ever been at a pig farm or a cow farm, not the most savory of things. My collagen is a marine-based collagen. And here's the big thing. Forget all the other shit I've already said. Here's the differentiation between mine and the one you're already taking. Mine is half a tablespoon every day. It's a delicious chocolate mint flavor. And here's, here's the big stuff. Here's the, here's the real deal. Here's what nobody's telling you. The powdered collagens get broken down inside of the gastrointestinal stomach, inside of the stomach. That's not where collagen gets absorbed. Collagen actually gets absorbed and has a higher efficacious benefit if it's absorbed in the small intestine. Well, see, mine passes through the stomach based on a beautiful collection of, of polymers and a collection of these peptides. If you heard that, that's just Rudy taking a sneeze. He likes to be introduced in some of these podcasts, and I didn't give him a proper shout out. But my collagen actually passes through the stomach and gets digested inside of the small intestine, which is where all the magic happens. Your powder product's not even making it there. So you're getting very minimal, if any, efficacious um, effects from drinking that chalky, gross-tasting powder product. So if you're interested, just go to thriveforeverfit.com. Go to my store. You'll see Elite Collagen on there. You can pop me a note. I'll give you all the details. It is unbelievably amazing. I've been taking it for a while um, because I've been testing it and, and creating it and everything. Guys, it is revolutionary and it is unbelievable. I can't wait for you to try it. Elite Collagen. Go grab yourself some today. Take care of your skin. Sam, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? Excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. No worries, dude. Like we are connected to um, probably a, a long-term friend of yours, Jamie, and a, a short-term friend of mine, but I feel like she's going to be a long-term friend. So shout out to Jamie for, uh, for connecting us. I think that's awesome of her. Absolutely. Shout out to Jamie McFadden. Love it. Great, 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 great human. I think she's one of those people like you meet and you'll, you can probably attest to this. You meet her and you feel like I've probably known you before or right. Mm -hmm. Like you've known her forever. So super awesome. And um, again, like you said, shout out to Jamie. 
Um, so she just thought we'd hit it off. And I think just based on our brief little conversation before um, we jumped in, I think that's for sure going to happen. So tell me about Sam. Like, what is, uh, I mean, I, I read your bio. And it's, un, you know, so, you know, the Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 at age 31, successful in the, you know, industry of, of business and all of those things. And you, did you have an epiphany or? Yeah, it was, it's called depression. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, yeah. let's get it. Let's get into it. So, so you were successful, but not fulfilled. Is that kind of what you'd say? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It was uh, constantly chasing goals and something came up for me recently. Uh, you know, the play Hamilton, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but very well aware of it. Oh, it's so good. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners have seen it, but either way, they have the soundtrack on Spotify and there's one song called nonstop and it resonates with me so much. They're talking about how the main character Hamilton is like hustling so hard specifically to write these papers. And it's like, you never take a break for yourself. You're just going, going, going. And I remember seeing that play and that song just re that like scene from the play resonated with me so much. And for whatever reason, it resurfaced the past week or two. And I've been listening to that song again. And it's just, you know, the classic kind of workaholic thing, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone in business where you start to use work as an addiction and with all respect to the word of addiction i mean we talk about alcohol or drugs and these type of things being addictive but really anything can be addictive and for me a lot of times as it related to work i would get those uh people call them the sunday scaries before like sunday night going back to work on monday and getting that anxiety well that anxiety started to settle in for me around thursday thinking like oh wow how am i going to fill my time over the weekend so then i would start to create more content and find myself working whether it be goal setting but like working on the business type stuff on the weekends so i was just always working and i would achieve these goals and then I would have that momentary, momentarily hit of dopamine, and then I would chase another goal. Now, of course, I didn't recognize these patterns till after doing the inner work. And that's when I started to shine a light on this pattern of being addicted to that feeling of success, that dopamine hit. And really, when I achieve a goal, being like, oh, I thought I would feel different. And you mentioned Ganesh and uh, Buddha and things like that. I am uh, teaching yoga now. I went through my yoga teacher training and one of the Sanskrit philosophies is sadhana and sadhana re uh, relates to me and resonates with me so much because a lot of us, myself included, when we set goals for ourselves, it is kind of centered around when I achieve ABC, I will feel X, Y, Z. And that right there was the issue for me. So Sadna is a reframe that really helps you to be in the pursuit of the journey rather than the destination. There's so much more unpacked there, but that's like very high level. I love that. I, I wrote down a couple of questions. And so when you're, you're talking, I, I thought about kind of myself. And so I want you to touch on this, like working for yourself versus working for somebody. And the, the, the correlation and the, the differentiation in that, mm -hmm. and, and, and does that, did that affect you differently than maybe it would have if you were, let me ask you the question first, yeah. were you working for yourself or were you 
working for someone else in, in like their business? Yeah. In my career, I've never worked for anyone else. Like okay. um, I, in college, I started my first business and technically it's a DBA and like part of my family's company. So in a way, like I kind of was working for them, but my company was totally separate. So, okay. I, so, so self, yeah. the, your goals were like self, self-established, self-motivated. So everything was based on you and, and how successful you wanted yourself to be not right. necessarily like corporate goals where they're like, Hey, Sam, you got to hit this percentage of numbers by this quarter, or you're going to get fired and yada, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. So that's, you know, I think cause they're, cause I might I, you know, fired myself though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I think about myself. So I think about, um, I wrote down this question is it, am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. And so my wife, Lori and I, she's an entrepreneur as well. Um, we were having this conversation and, and she was talking about um, this large group of women that she coaches that are in like the spa and the beauty world, um, successful, just, you know, kind of like what you're talking about. And the question has been coming up a lot this week is I'm more successful than I've ever been. I'm not working as much as I as I used to, but I always feel like I could be doing more or I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you were kind of that you related to on the, the, the process? Big time, big time. Okay. I mean, I built my business to a million dollar company while working, I say less than four hours a day, but in truth, it was more like two hours a day. So mm-hmm. uh, I lived in Silicon Valley at the time and I would spend my time like going to the gym, like 24 hour fitness during the day, or I, I lived near a trail. So maybe running on the trail or just doing like silly stuff around town that, you know, I could get done during business hours, like errands essentially, right. uh, which would be more efficient than, um, you know, doing after hours or on weekends, whatever it might be. But I just always felt like there's gotta be something more in this. Like this isn't a life well lived, you know? Right. Was, was it based on what you were doing? Cause I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of the audience right now as like, you know, some people may be in a job that they absolutely can't stand. And then there's probably other people that are listening that are like, you know what, I can feel like this is my purpose. Like, I feel like I'm in that. Can you still feel in, in your perspective, can you still feel this angst, if you will, or depressive state or anxiety if you're doing something that you feel purposely drawn to do? Yeah. So there's a lot here. First off, I'll mention um, my recent book, Soul Life Balance. Just the principle of it is a reframe of work-life balance. And one thing to note there is when we speak about work-life balance, we think about something that we're ultimately going to obtain. And again, that's like goal setting, right? When I achieve work-life balance, when I have this solid state of work-life balance, I will feel X, Y, Z. Well, soul life balance is a reframe first and foremost to put yourself first, while simultaneously realizing that work is a part of the human experience and it's part of living. So we don't put work first and foremost. The second part there to really address is that soul life balance is a practice rather than, you know, obtaining soul life balance. It's like always coming back to ourselves, being like, okay, how can I feed my soul today? As we advance in this practice, it's how can I feed my soul moment to moment? Let's talk about the feeding of the soul, right? Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Like, what is that, you know, if you were going to define that, like, what would that, what was your, what would be your definition of that? I know that's a really big ask, but just give me some like, and just spitball, like whatever comes out, comes out. Absolutely. So when I talk about like feeding your soul, I'm of the belief that 
all of us at some point in our life have experienced something that brings us pleasure or joy, right? So maybe you're a musician, it's that I live by the beach, maybe it's surfing, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be so woo when we're talking about soul, like your higher self, which would be yeah. the, the, the spirit that you are that's playing out all your existences at once and get really confusing. We can go there, but to just keep it a little bit more accessible for most people, feeding your soul is just asking yourself, what do I need in this moment? Moment. What do I want in this moment? And in any, any moment, we always have a choice. And this is a formula that Bashar, he's a channeler created and channeled. And the formula goes that in any moment, we, we can choose this or that, or even another thing. And we think that we're kind of like stuck and we have to do X, Y, Z, but we always have a choice. So relating it back to your initial question of the entrepreneur or someone that's working in a job, I became known as the VA guy, the virtual assistants, and I leveraged working with freelancers as opposed to employees. There's a whole story there. But one of the things that I love about the freelancer business model so much is for the entrepreneurs, it affords them to live their life and not spend it working like in their business on the mundane tasks, right? And there's so many things I could go in there to why I believe in freelancers as opposed to employees for more of a solopreneur, like small business type right yeah. and then on the flip side for someone who's working in a job that they don't necessarily like well i don't buy into what gary v usually is saying for the most part and i'm kind of like uh paraphrasing what he alludes to but he kind of makes it seem like anyone can be an entrepreneur i don't think that's yeah. the case so yeah, it, for someone who's stuck in a job that they don't like, yes, we could talk about different ways that maybe they could feel more fulfilled in that job. But if they're at the point where they want to leave that job and they wish that they could have the freedom of being an entrepreneur, but it just doesn't seem attainable for them, that's where the freelancer business model is so amazing for people that don't want to be an entrepreneur. So I think the path of looking at remote working is beautiful and such a huge opportunity. And this is something I've been talking about since 2017. So it's funny to, you know, see it evolve and grow since the pandemic. And my, my interests and passions have shifted around 2019. So I don't talk about it as much anymore, but that kind of is a good uh, little thing to bring up since you did ask that yeah. question. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. I don't, I, you know, I think, I think everyone can conceptually be an entrepreneur if you're willing to, you know, walk down that path. But I don't think the path is for everyone. I think some people just enjoy the process of, hey, I go here from eight to five and I go home and then I live my rest of my life. I think as an entrepreneur, I'll speak for myself here is like, I'm probably on the, cause I mean, I've got so many similarities to like what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, like, I believe like, self soul first like i'm consistently trying to feed that you know through all of my practices of you know gratitude and physical fitness and the way i you know feed myself and my sleep and all those things but i'm also on the spectrum of i love to work like i love what i get to do because i feel like my purpose and passion is that i get to help people and so i that really like feeds my soul and so what would you say to somebody like me if i if i was saying hey man like I don't mind working seven days a week. Like I don't feel burned out. I don't feel anxiety. I don't feel depression. I don't feel any of those things. Um, and I feel like I have a really good soul life balance. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like you have a good soul life balance. That's, yeah. that's the thing okay. right there. It sounds like right. you do. It's not like this is something that's not rocket science 
science. It's just something that we need to consistently come back to. And yeah. it's very much in the same vein as burnout. And the way you just mentioned everything, I was literally going to say, well, it sounds like you have a good soul life balance right yeah. now. So there you go. And, and I think what I've taught myself is that like, I don't believe in a finish line. Like I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on a journey and I love the journey. And I've, I've come to the understanding that I'm going to, I'm going to become different versions of myself along that journey. And as long right. as I'm willing to, you know, metamorphosize or whatever it is in the stages that I grow into, I feel like that I can consistently keep that balance. I think oftentimes it's when we're trying to be somebody we're not mm. that we get stuck in that transition. I wrote down the word action when you were talking about creating a soul life balance. Cause it was like, I, I think a lot of people think about it and it's conceptual and, you know, maybe they even write it down and whatever, but they don't take the necessary action steps. Can you piece those two things together? Like creating that soul life balance, but then the necessary actions that you need to take in order to make sure it's like congruent. Yeah. Let me know if I go off track here. No, uh, so let's rock bring, and roll, man. Just bring me back, but yeah, we're I'm going to bring up the archetypal energies of yin and yang or yang. And we could look at the, a lot of times people will throw out, especially these days saying the masculine or the feminine, and right. it can be confusing for someone who hasn't heard that before. Cause they might think of like genitalia when right. you say feminine or masculine, but it's a, archetypal energy so if we look at yang as how we show up in the world how we do and liz literally physical expression that is related to the masculine we all have the masculine within us no matter what your gender is or if you don't identify with gender non-binary any of that now with the feminine that's the flip side feminine is more about creative expression and it's about fluidity it's about intuition and it's more connected with the soul right so feminine is that yin energy so when we look at work-life balance it's very much focused on the max masculine to do's obligations i don't even need to say it we all know in business <laughs> especially if you're in corporate meetings deadlines all that type of stuff well in our life it's very similar. We have things that we need to get done outside of living. Most of us spend the majority of our waking hours, not just five days a week, but our entire life working. So when we're not working, we need to catch up on those things to do. So the question becomes, where's the time to feed your soul? Where's the time to soften and connect with that intuition? Now, having said all that, it is early my time. I usually don't do podcasts this early. I, I So I kind of did forget what your question was. I knew that was going to come. Okay. What was yeah. your question again? Yeah. So I was just talking about the, the action necessary to create the soul life balance that you're looking for. And then I want you to unpack the archetypes for me a little bit too. Like I remember reading, um, Carolyn Miss's book, like, Oh, so good. I mean, I can't, it was probably one of my first books that I just got cold chills when I said that, um, anybody who hasn't read it, like I'll put it in the show notes just because I mean, I'm, I know. Which Sam, one? Oh my God. Um, I've, I've read so many of hers. I can't remember the first I one. Forget I forget the energy, uh, anatomy of energy. Is that the one you're talking about? That's a great one, but she's got one that's like, it has archetypes in the actual oh, okay. title. I'll, I'll yeah. pull it up and we'll go through it. But oh my gosh, was I blown away because I'd never mm -hmm. thought of that before. This was way before like the buzzwords of fat, masculine and feminine and, right. and kind of where we are today. This is back when I was like, started my journey 20 years ago. So it was like really cool. So yeah, the action steps necessary to bridge those two things of like work and then the soul life balance. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Cause I want to take a step back and just kind of unpack the archetypal energies of yin and yang, masculine, feminine, because 
this is the thing, right? When I'm saying like feed your soul, yes, that's connecting with maybe closing your eyes, meditating, or just uh, walking with uh, in your neighborhood without your shoes on, earthing, grounding, that sort of practice or looking at stars. It can be anything like that. It doesn't have to be meditation. Well, also we can't just bypass and everything be like love and light or everything uh -huh. be spiritual, like that we still need to show up and use that masculine energy. So what we see a lot of people doing in when they start the, the path of spirituality or inward journal or inward journey is to create the habits and routines of doing said things. So for most, it would look like, oh, I'm going to meditate today. I'm going to journal. I'm going to read. I'm going to go on a walk. And then it starts to be like, check, 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 check. And before uh -huh. you know it, you're just over. Now you're out of balance again in the masculine, because oftentimes, not always, I don't mean to project, but a yeah. lot of people struggle with this because they try to do all these things to be a spiritual person, to feed their soul and they're starting to check off these boxes and then they add more pressures and stress to themselves so what i talk about is like yes it's important to create the habits and routines but also be mindful of if you're starting to be like oh man i need to meditate but i just don't want it well i'm going to anyways and then afterwards i'm going to journal and, and about my experience and you really aren't enjoying it and it's not feeding your soul then it's counterintuitive so that's why i talk about like hey soul life balance, feeding your soul, all this type of stuff. It's as simple as closing your eyes, taking a few intentional and conscious breaths and asking yourself what you need in that very moment. And that is the practice right there. It doesn't have to be all, yeah. all the other stuff. Two things that you said that are you know, brilliant. And, um, it almost becomes the job, right? Yeah. Like when you go into that, it's like you, you almost give yourself a new job that you're trying to correct from your old job right and then the next thing you know now you you're double employed right? you got two but you got two things to check i call it like the check the box mentality it's like mm. i find that to be more harmful than the reverse of not doing that at all you know what i mean because I, I love what you said about it's as simple as closing your eyes and asking yourself what do i need right now mm -hmm. like what are the thought i don't think we ask ourselves enough questions sam like what do you think like i mean i ask myself i mean I have more conversations with myself throughout the day than I do with other humans. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is me asking myself, like, what does this mean? And not what does it mean, like, you know, from the ecosystem of the world, but what does it mean to me? Like, what am I supposed to draw from this? And so what are your thoughts around that? Like, just the, the asking of questions, like you said. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I refer to it as thought tracing. Are you familiar with the practice of uh, internal family systems? Mm-mm. It's a psychotherapy practice that was developed, I believe, around the 1980s. And it's not anything I'm trained in, but there's a certain aspect of it that really resonates with me. So there's so much more. And if anyone's listening that knows a lot about it, you might be like, oh, well, that's not completely right. But for the most part, like this is the takeaway that I get. And it's about building relationships with the voices within our heads. And I remember in high school, I was a metalhead and I would go hot topic that store, like, you know, they'd all, yeah, all totally. stuff. yeah. And I remember there's shirts that would say like, I hear voices in my head. And the idea was like back then, like, oh, you're weird and different, whatever. Right. Cause you hear voices in your head. But the truth is 
we all hear voices in our head and the practice of internal family systems also known as ifs or simply parts work is about realizing that these voices are parts of yourself and building relationships with those voices and you could go as far as even giving them a name so oftentimes in my yoga classes when you know different times throughout the class but especially like at the beginning or the end I'll lead them through a little guided meditation, invite them to hear the voices and sit with what wants to be emerged to be fully seen, witnessed and heard as opposed in meditation. Oftentimes when a thought comes, we say, oh, that's a thought. Okay. Let it go. IFS is kind of the uh, the opposite. When we do this parts work, it's about being that king or queen of your inner queendom or kingdom and hearing all these different voices that want to come to the surface. And as we build relationships with these voices, they do start to soften because we're addressing their specific needs. Yeah. So I wrote this down and this is, I hear this a ton, especially in my line of work and, you know, like in the fitness and the transformation nutritional world is I think it's really easy and something people fall to. And I have mixed emotions about it. So I want you to talk about it and then we can have a little dialogue. It's the whole, well, I'm going to listen to my body, mm. right? And I, here's, here's my mixed emotions on it. I feel like that a lot of people use that as a way out instead of a way in, mm. meaning they're using it as a deference mechanism to actually listen to their body and address what their body is actually saying. And it, it gives them a way to say, well, I'm going to listen to my body and then therefore not do anything. And so I think there's a disconnect between the conversation that they're actually having. And like, again, I'm stereotyping very drastically there. I'll say I've, it's, I've seen this happen before, but I think when you really start to listen to your body and have a connection and a relationship with it, you're going to get different dialogue than if you're just using it as a buzzword to not move or not eat properly or not like nobody's nobody's body's ever said hey you need a chili dog i mean (laughs) you might hear that but that's not what sam and i are talking about so what, what are your thoughts on that and kind of the way i unpacked it there a little bit Yeah. I mean, that's uh, a little bit more your world than mine of being in the fitness industry, but I absolutely agree. And I think the body absolutely is sending us signals as well. And when you get into like chakra work or energy work, all that type of stuff, which isn't something that I I am very well versed in as like a facilitator, it's just something I have awareness around these different body parts hold energy and emotions. And I do know this in terms of like yoga, uh, oftentimes we think of yoga in the West as movement and it's called asana, right? So there's eight different limbs or branches of yoga. Well, one of those limbs or branches of the yoga tree is asana. That Sanskrit word means postures and movement, right? So when we practice yoga, there's the other seven parts involved as well. And what I often tell people is like, we aren't thinking about the breath or the meditation, things like that. But as it relates specifically to the movement, it's designed these different poses to stir up emotions and to sit with what's coming up for us, specifically in our hips, when we're doing something like pigeon towards the end, or if it's a yin class doing swan, whatever it is, if we're targeting the hips, we carry a lot of emotions there. So 
there's definitely um there's acupuncture as well and there's reflexology the bottom of the foot where it's connected to different things so i absolutely agree with all this and i hear what you're saying as well in terms of kind of bypassing you know and being yeah. like oh my body's telling something and then using it as like an excuse right yeah do you think the voices are part of your intuition or do you think that's something totally separate oh that's a good question um, I would definitely say it's part of your intuition. Yeah, I think it's uh, these different parts. What happens is one part, say it's like fear. Maybe that voice is fear. If you are caught in a loop of fear, you're just out of balance. And these practices can bring you back into balance. I, and I think we get confused and let the either fear, or victim or sadness, any of these type of voices, emotions, parts of ourselves take the reins if we're not consciously intentionally showing up for ourselves. So I think, it, you know, there is a certain element of intuition, but if we're out of balance, we can't really look at that out of as intuition because it's out of balance. Yeah, I 100% agree. What are your thoughts on, you know, I wrote this down, you said emotional like thoughts and whatever, you know, I've got, I've got a belief that I don't have to respond or react to every emotion that, that kind of comes my way. Doesn't mean I'm not going to process it. It just means that like not everyone is relative to the scenario. And you talk about like fear and being scared or, or all of those things. I think a lot of times those are like um, the, I don't know, the, the emotion that we can speak about, but it's not the real emotion that we're feeling. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and then how would you link that to like emotional intelligence, like really starting to like have that intuit, intuitive dialogue with yourself on the voices and the, you know, taking it all the way back to like you said, like, you know, giving them a name or developing a relationship or things of that nature. How would you correlate that too? Yeah, I think journaling is a great way to integrate and to get to the root, right? And there's yeah. this practice uh, by Julia Cameron. She wrote a book called The Artist's Way, and it's called Daily Pages. And the idea is to journal for 20 minutes nonstop, and it's called stream of consciousness writing. So basically, like if you decide to look into one of these specific areas that you're talking about, Jay, you could use this journaling practice of not really having a prompt, but just writing of whatever's coming up. And for many of us, when we first start something like this, if we don't, if we're not familiar with doing inner work or journaling, or even if we are, what might come up is like, I don't understand this. What am I writing about? Like, this is dumb or whatever, all this type of stuff. And you might be writing something like that for a few minutes or maybe even 15 minutes, but almost without fail, if you do this practice for the full 20 minutes and you don't let your pen lift off the paper to stop, like you continue to write, something is going to come through through that you didn't realize was there. And yeah. that's really going back to your question about soul. That is the soul and intuition coming through, in my opinion. Yeah. I'd never heard of her or, or what, what you refer to it as. And I call that like a brain dump. So yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll do that very, I'll do that a lot. And what I always tell somebody, if I'm, if I'm saying, Hey, you should try this is I always, you know, close with this. I said, but it has to be judgment free. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, like you said, like you'll start writing and you'll be like, what is this? It's like absolute nonsense. Like, you know, all these things. And, but if you just no, don't judge yourself and don't judge the what's coming out, I think you can find some real depth and value in that because there will always be something. And what I'll do with that is I'll even come back to it later on when I've got a clean mm. you know, state of consciousness and I'll reread it. 
And then I'll even notice things in there that I didn't notice the first time, like during the process of like, kind of go into the paper on it. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Let's talk about your book for a second. Now, um, I've written two books, so I've got massive respect for anybody who takes on that, that, that challenge, if you will. Um, did you always know you'd write a book? Did you always, you know, did your, how did it, how did it come about? Like, what was the whole process of, of it, of it coming to fruition? Yeah, I've always liked writing, but like when I was younger, I never really knew that I liked writing. Like when, when in grade school, elementary school, I, I didn't like essays, but it came natural and easy for me. And I kind of did like it. Like I wasn't like, oh yeah, let me write an essay or whatever it'd be, but I always enjoyed it. And then I knew I would write a book. I don't know when exactly. I think it was like my early 20s, uh, not even mid 20s. And then I started blogging around the time I got into podcasting in 2016 or 2017. And I was blogging weekly for a while. And then I became known as the VA guy within my industry at the time, this promotional product swag industry. And um, I wrote an ebook about working with virtual assistants. And then I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was going to turn 30. And my goal was to write my first book before my 30th birthday. So I released my first book a week before that. And then I just like got the process down to writing a book. You know, I was listening to Chandler Bolt's audiobooks on how to write a book and just yeah. consuming content about it. So, and I wrote two more books and in less than 12 months, I wrote my first three books and all of those books were kind of just like, they're coming through me at the time without really knowing it too much. It was a little bit for my ego, you know, to build my brand and everything else. And I never really put much like marketing or anything else into it. Like I skipped over the part in my research of promoting the book. It was yeah. more just like wanting to write it. And it was a great process. And then in 2019, in spring, when I went through this numbing depression, a plant medicine known as ayahuasca found me and I sat with the medicine. Ayahuasca is known as one of the most powerful psychedelics known to man. And that's where this message soul life balance came through. I started a new podcast called soul seeker and I knew I would write a book about soul life balance and that was the future. And then when the pandemic hit in 2020 in whatever it was early March, mid March, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people that had books in them started to write their books. So I started to feel this external pressure to write my book. And I was really thinking about, and I had already written a few outlines, brain dumps and things like that. And it just wasn't ready. There's was yeah. just something within me that knew that it wasn't time yet. So then fast forward about a year and a half later, last year, summer last year, um, I went to a yoga retreat in Lake Shasta. And there's about 15 people there. I noticed that most of the women there were coming to me asking me questions about spirituality, despite me only having a couple years of experience, like intentionally in the path, whereas a lot of them had 10 plus years of like inner work. But the thing is, after I did ayahuasca, I changed everything about my life. And I went down spiritual rabbit hole with blinders on the content I was consuming, the relationships, everything else. So 
at this point in time at the yoga teacher train or not teacher train, that was yoga retreat. That's when I realized I was at the 12th step of the hero's journey cycle that J Joseph Campbell talks about. Mm -hmm. And it was time to share what I've learned. So it was really around like late summer, fall of last year, when I started to write the book, I could have knocked it out sooner. I could have wrote it quicker than I did, but you know, I really wanted to take time and do this one. Right. And in hindsight, it made so much sense. It was like, oh, I had to have the experience of writing those first three books to get mm -hmm. to this book. So in a lot of ways, like I do think of this as like my first book in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like a high level, the book writing process. One other thing I'll add to that too is um, going back to action. You asked about action. We talked a little bit about action. And I used to be so my second book was called the written goal. And, you know, that goes to show you how much like habits, routines, goal setting, diligence, all this type of stuff I can do if I need to. Well, I decided not to write this last book that way. I wanted to write the soul life balance in a way that really embodied soul life balance. So rather than say, Hey, I'm going to show up to write at the same time every day at the same place or whatever it might be. I really followed my intuition more than ever before to write when I felt like something was wanting to be emerged, even if my calendar said, Hey, it's time to write right now. And I didn't feel like writing, then I wouldn't do it, you know, which was a little bit different than writing the first three books. Yeah. Love that. You know, I like the fact you brought up Joseph Campbell, huge fan. Um, I th you've obviously seen Finding Joe, which is really yeah. cool. Everybody, everybody should watch that. Really easy, easy so to understand, good. easy to follow. Um, let's talk about the the plant medicine journey for for a minute. I mean, because I think that's a that's a, an avenue that's kind of gotten gotten more publicity as of late. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, did you decide to take that route over a pharmaceutical route or was there a conversation that you had with somebody else with yourself both like how was that how did that journey like unfold for you yeah i i think for me like pharmaceutical was never even an option because my the few people i did let in knowing what was going on was very few like i could count on one hand mm -hmm. and would only need a couple fingers i would have never gone to like a doctor or something like that to talk about. So it was never even an option um, just for that reason, because it was like, I was so, I don't know if I want to say embarrassed, but ashamed, but didn't really want to acknowledge what was going on. So it would take a lot to actually talk with someone about it. So for, for that reason, pharmaceuticals would have never been a reason um, or an option, I should say. In terms of ayahuasca, like I've always been very spiritual, I just didn't never had the tools to understand that. So I, I didn't know the word synchronicities, but I would see them throughout my life and understand like there's something more at play. And there were a lot of synchronicities that guided me to ayahuasca. They say ayahuasca finds you. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what happened. Uh, the medicine found me and everything just lined up perfectly. And I kind of, without knowing like 
the term soul life balance at the time or anything else, I did use a little bit of the principles of soul life balance to tap into my intuition, the soul, but also use my skills of showing up in the world, right? Life to make sure that this was a good decision rather yeah. than bypassing, like being uh, all spiritual and like, oh, all the signs are here, but not looking like, well, is this a good decision or the opposite, not listening to my intuition, just being like, oh, I need to do this thing. Let me make it happen because I can do a few Google searches to figure out how to make this happen. Did you take the Peruvian journey or did you do it in the, in the States or like, how did you, how did you find out about like where to get, where to make it happen at? Yeah, it just uh, organically unfolded. There was a friend, um, we, I was, pro get this. So I was prospecting on LinkedIn and, you know, whatever. I had a phone call with someone who was a, pers a prospective client. Then she, the tables kind of turned where she started to say how she knew, like could feel that I was spiritual or something else. And I was like, huh, what, what are you talking about? And all this type of stuff. Then she invited me to a cacao ceremony. I was like, what? what is cacao? What is a ceremony? Like what, like li literally. So, um, for anyone not listening, cacao is like basically the raw form of chocolate. It's a heart opener. I mean, everything is medicine. Like was it Socrates who said food is thy medicine, right? Like we, we yeah. yeah. Anyways though. So I went to this ceremony, this cacao ceremony and they had breath work that I've never experienced before. There was a big pot of cacao where like we set intentions and could add different spices to it. And it was like more, it was like three hours long afterwards, the friend I went with, she asked the facilitator about ayahuasca because she said she was going to sit with ayahuasca a week or two later. So on the drive home, I was like, you're going to do ayahuasca and you, uh, weren't going to tell me. So we had this long conversation. She sat with the medicine. I saw how it transformed her life. And I had one friend previously who told me about the medicine, um, about a year previously. And, you know, I saw how it transformed with him, but he was a newer friend. So, you know, this other person I've known her for quite some time. So it was a little bit different. So I, I unpacked it with her in terms of her journey. And then without like disclosing any of the information sure. where I went, but yeah, everything lined up for me to sit with the medicine a, a few weeks later. And I just said, yes. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. My first, um, you know, I first heard about ayahuasca probably 10 years ago. I was listening to Aubrey Marcus on, on Rogan. Yeah. And, and if you, if you've never heard the episode, it's worth a listen. Just if you want to go. Which chuckle. one? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I mean, this was one in particular when he was talking about how his dad went with him and it right, was, yeah. it was, so, I mean, crazy. Um, the, and that was I'm my first, going. yeah, that was my first, like, you know, soiree into it. And, um, and he talked, and he talked about his Don Miguel, I can't believe the guy's name now, but like Don Miguel or whoever, you know, he sees down in Peru and whatnot. That Don was Howard, my, yeah. 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 That was my first, uh, kind of, you know, soiree into, into understanding about it. Let's, let's, let me ask you this question. You said found you, right? Like, and was that through, like, how educated were you on it when you kind of like got to that level? Cause I think for a lot of people, it conceptually sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. right and then you hear a lot of stories about like oh my god it's, you know it's throwing up and blah 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 and the releasing of all this stuff so there's a lot of there's a lot of volume and noise about it right yeah how did you how did you how did you audit all of that and say you know what this is probably the right thing for me 
Yeah. So again, all intuition and, and synchronicities. Aubrey Marcus has been a big part of my journey. I ended up joining his uh, mastermind fellowship fit for service. And I was a part of it from January, 2020, all the way through last year, end of 2021. So two full years. And then I did another event with them this year. Um, I actually even managed his podcast for a little bit, not the whole thing, but the graphic design through a company, a marketing agency I run. But anyways, uh, all that to say, so much respect uh, for Aubrey and his team at Fit for Service and everything they do. In 2018, I got into meditation and I synchronistically met this friend. He was the first guy that told me about ayahuasca. And it started, it was kind of like the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper, where like his life isn't going great. And then this old friend comes through and he tells him about this nootropic basically, and how it's going to help him to live a more fulfilling life. Just, you know, paraphrasing. Right. So this dude, Billy, uh, told me about, um, microdosing with mushrooms. And at the time I was like, you know, drinking, whatever, doing all things, uh, late twenties. And I had done mushrooms a lot in college and high school, but probably not between like graduating college. And then if I had just a couple of times, I was like, nah, I'm, not, I'm good. You know, thinking I'm professional, I'm above that or whatever. And then he starts to send me these articles about how Silicon Valley executives were microdosing with uh, psilocybin for yeah. a, a lot of different reasons. So I go, okay, start doing that. And I started to really feel the benefits of microdosing with psilocybin. So then he told me about Aubrey Marcus. He sent me the documentary. Uh, Aubrey had a, still does have a, a documentary about ayahuasca. I think he has a new one out now, but this is the original one. And I watched it and I was scared, scared out of my mind. And I was yeah. like, I felt like this inner thing of, oh, I'm going to do that one day. But I was like, not now, like I'm good. And he, he was telling me about it and everything. So, um, yeah, then fast forward to the scenario I told you with the girl and that's, um, kind of how I went about it. Then the integration was super difficult because I had my meditation teacher, Charlie, who at the time had never touched a psychedelic, didn't really believe in psychedelics. And, you know, at least, uh, he was really helpful with me in terms of uh, hammering home, like use these medicines as a tool not as a crutch. So he was super helpful. I had a couple other friends into spirituality, but it was a lonely path. And I ended up putting myself quote unquote back to sleep after a few months because I was so alone and I felt awake in the dream and I was doing everything I could to integrate at the time, but I just didn't have community. Then fit for service, the Aubrey Marcus's mastermind found me. It was just, it's this long story, um, but I'll, I'll share it real quick and make it short sure. as short as I can. So the short version is I went to one of those like influencer events where they sell from the stage and I didn't realize they were going to be selling from the stage mm -hmm. and it was a mastermind. And I think the mastermind was like 12 grand or 15,000, something like that. And it was really uncomfortable for me because I've never spent that much money on like one thing for yeah. a mass business. Right. And I end up saying yes to it. And long story short with that, the guy ended up being like a total flake. I was calling him out on uh, being a flake and just everything else. It wasn't going anywhere. So then I guess I was being a pain and I'm probably the only person that you guys know that got kicked out of a mastermind when giving someone that many thousands of dollars. So I was sitting there like, oh man, like, you know, processing those feelings and emotions. Then uh, around that time, 
a friend from the promotional products industry connected me with Sarah Holly is her new last name because she's married now, but it was Sarah Regal Huth at the time for two reasons. One, because he, she was outside my industry and she worked with virtual assistants and he knew I worked with virtual assistants. And two, he knew I had done this thing called psychedelics or I mean, ayahuasca specifically. And he it was an investor in Sarah's company now known as Grow Motley. And he knew that we would connect on both the psych psychedelic thing and VAs. So we played phone tag for a while. We ended up doing a podcast swap. And she mentioned briefly that she was in this uh, mastermind called Fit for Service by mm -hmm. Aubrey Marcus. And I was never like, you know, a huge like listener of Aubrey's podcast or anything like that, but that planted the seed. So then uh, around, that was a few months before I quote unquote got kicked out of the mastermind. And then when that happened, where I had just gone through this whole process of being like, okay, I'm ready to commit to a big mastermind. Right. And then the letdown of not being in it anymore, a Facebook ad hit me for fit for service. And I checked it out. I was like, oh, this seems way more in alignment than a business mastermind. This yeah. is way more. Uh, and then I went through the application process and lo and behold, the price to be part of it was the exact same price as the mastermind that I quote unquote just got kicked out of. And putting all those together, it was like, oh, I see what's unfolding and how this had to work. So yeah. that's a very long answer, but I hope you enjoyed. No, I lo loved it because it brought up a thing. So I've had the same exact mastermind experience. <laughs> and one of my best friends um, on the planet was in this mastermind with us. And he and I both basically got kicked out slash kicked ourselves out. And we didn't even really know each other until that transition. And we've been best dudes for the last like almost 10 years now. So, awesome. so sometimes those things happen to get you to a different place. Um, he's actually the guy who helped me write my first book, like unbelievable. His name's Tommy Baker. Amazing. Um, great dude. So I've had that same exact experience. And at the time it feels, so if you're listening guys, sometimes at the time you're going through an experience, it feels horrible. It feels like what is going on? Like, this is so not right. But if you'll just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and listening, there'll be a silver lining to that. Something else I wrote down, I don't know if you're even aware of this. So one of my favorite comedians is from Texas, which like I told you I was from. His name's Ron White. Oh, yeah. Um, so Ron, I just recently saw him on a podcast. He realized, because he's, he's a big drinker, and he said during COVID, he just was out of, out of control. He said the, the tequila bottle went from the kitchen to the coffee table, and he's like, I got, I got a problem. And he actually just did ayahuasca uh -huh. in, in order to kind of like work through that. Like he didn't go to rehab. He's like, he's like, I know I'm not a traditional guy. He's like, I, I can't go sit in a room and talk about my feelings. It's like, I knew I had to do something a little more dramatic. And so he found ayahuasca as well, kind of got himself sober first because they said, we won't take you until, right. you know, until you do, I think he's, he went to Peru and had the, the, did the whole experience, but said it's been epiphanally life-changing for him. Like he hasn't drank since, hasn't had the urge. It's kind of like gotten him into a new, like you said, awakened or awoken mm -hmm. state. And so I just say that to say like that was another story that had been really relevant um, around that. And then I had some other friends that actually went to um, to Amsterdam, just outside of Amsterdam to microdose psilocybin in like a clinical setting. Mm, and, cool. and, and they said it was mind blowing. Like, you know, some people are crying, some people are laughing, some people are, you know, it's like this entire like just transformational experience that they both said it was a husband and wife 
they both said they wouldn't change it for a thing. Like it was really a, a life-changing thing. So you've done some, you've done some really interesting things from the perspective of not going down the traditional route to deal with that kind of depressive anxiety feeling. So hats off to you, brother, for like always looking and being open to that. Is there anything that you would have, I mean, this is, I know the, I think I know the answer. Is there anything you would have done differently along that journey? Yeah. So my book, Soul Life Balance, the subtitle is Igniting and Integrating Spiritual Awakening. So the book ended up becoming the book that I would have needed, you know, okay. during that time to help yeah. me with integration. So one of the beautiful things about spirituality is it's not like organized religion where there's not really like a blueprint. So it's very much a choose your own adventure, choose your own path. But that's also one of the most disorienting things. So for me, what I would have done differently, and I don't know that I would have perhaps, but like the thing that I was really needing that I didn't have was community. And there wasn't really anything for me to have done differently because I, I yeah. mentioned to you, this to you before we hit record, but it was a very lonely path for me as a guy getting into spirituality. And I was really getting into yoga and I saw this thing at a yoga studio called a new moon ceremony. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but that sounds interesting. Okay. And that's the first time I had heard about like new moons and full moons in terms of uh, new moons being when we set our uh, intentions and plant seeds and full moons being when we release. So that was so eye opening. And I was doing things like this that were giving myself not only the opportunity to find community, but also take the journey deeper and continue to integrate without plant medicine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, hindsight's undefeated, right? Like, I mean, looking back, yeah. you'd say, oh, well, gosh, yeah, that would have been a better decision there. So let's talk about the book really before we go. So obviously you can get it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. So um, Soul Life Balance, and I'm, I'm going to link all this in the show notes. So guys, just click the link go to Sam's site, you can easily buy it. But so who is this for Sam? Like, who's like, if somebody's listening right now, and they are blank, like who, obviously, we all need to read it, right? We all need more soul life balance. But if we're talking about archetypes, and somebody who like really is there, like, who would you say you wrote this book for? Yeah, when I first had the intention of writing the book, and the initial process of writing the book was for workaholics. It was either if you're considering yourself a recovering workaholic, or if you're someone that is working so much and you know, things aren't working, you might be happy with your business, but you're not necessarily happy with your life. And you're hearing that whisper that there's something more. That was the initial intention of this book and up being kind of the opposite where it was people that have already said yes to doing the inner journey and are looking for ways to integrate that into their lifestyle. Now, having said that, it still is for both because it applies to both. Um, for someone who is feeling that there's a whisper, that there's something more, this book is massive. Like it's going to open your eyes to so many things and a lot of concepts that it might be a little too deep perhaps, but still the foundational pieces are going to be there. If someone is feeling that they're going through a spiritual awakening or existential crisis, this book is a hundred percent for you. Love all of that. And what I'll say to, to kind of follow up on that is like, if you get the book and you go through it and something is a bigger concept than you can really like digest at that moment, do what Sam did, like 
community, right? Like there's people there that can can talk to you. I mean, if you're listening to my podcast, right? Like you know that I'm a I'm huge on community and conversation and communication. So send me the question and I'll send it to Sam or we'll get Sam back on or whatever we need to do. Cause I think Sam and I are both from the same vein of like, we've done all the things we've done so that you can, you know, the path right. is, the path is lit, right? You don't have to walk down the dark path. And I think that all obstacles and challenges are unanswered questions. And so mm. using community and resources and resourcefulness to get those questions answered is really the beauty of life. And, you know, I, I'm not volunteering you for anything, Sam, but I know that if somebody read your book and they had like a question that was mind blowing, like we'll get them the answer to it. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to reach out. And I'm easy to find my website, samkabert.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram. I also have opened up my Calendly um, for these things called soul chats and I can send you the link Jay, but oh, cool. you can find the link pretty easily. I think it's just calendly.com slash my name, Sam Cabert, um, calendly.com slash Sam Cabert. And you can find a time there to chat with me one-on-one. -on -one. And I really created the, these soul chats for that purpose. If right. you're feeling like you're, you don't have community and you just want one-on-one -on -one conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to spell, I'm going to spell your last name. So it's K-A-B-E-R-T. So Sam, K-A-B-E-R-T.com. Again, that'll be in the show notes, but I know some of you guys are never going to go to the show notes. So I just want to make sure I spelled that. Um, I want to make sure I spelled that correctly for you guys. So you can go get Sam's book, follow Sam, support Sam. Um, community, right? Like I think it really all boils down to the fact that like now my community has been introduced to you that just expands the awesomeness and the abundance that we've got the capability of. And that's what I'm all about, dude, you're a rock star. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, doing an early morning cast with me and, and taking the time out of your day. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much, Jay. It's great to connect with you. And I can't wait to have you on my show. Love it. Look forward cool. to it. All right, my man, I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Bye, Sam. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.